The scripture reading for tonight comes from John chapter 6, verses 51 through 58. I am the living bread that came down out of heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread also, which I will give for the life of the world, is my flesh. Then the Jews began to argue with one another, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in yourselves. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so he who eats me, he also will live because of me. This is the bread which came down out of heaven, not as the fathers ate and died. He who eats this bread will live forever. The word of the Lord. Jesus is exasperating. Jesus is irritating. Jesus is, uh, Jesus is infuriating, alienating. Jesus is difficult. Jesus is difficult, and he just keeps coming back. Look, you know me. I usually don't like to uh, argue with the biblical text, but... Um, I can't help myself tonight because when we read what we just heard here tonight, it's just, it's irritating to me. It really, it's irritating, or I don't know, whatever, because Jesus seems to be in this part like really, really bad at getting people to like believe in him. In John's gospel, he's just driving people away left and right. It makes my job a lot harder, I have to say. I mean, he may be the savior, but he's just not that good at it. I mean, really, in this section here, just look. Okay, at the beginning of this cha- of chapter 6, he starts out pretty well. I'll give him that. He has, like, this huge mob of people, and he does this miraculous, like, um, like miracle, I guess you could say. Um, yeah, and he turns uh, some bread and a little fish into a meal to feed 5,000 people. Now, this is smart. This is very smart. I mean, really, all these people come, and they see this completely convincing miracle, and they get free food. Like, miracle and a meal deal. That is just, I mean, miracle and a meal deal, that is a genius strategy. And it works. It works. The people say, this is indeed the prophet who has come into the world. And Jesus' reaction? He runs away and hides. Yeah, it says, um, when Jesus realized that they were coming to make him king, he escapes back to the mountain by himself. Even his disciples didn't know where he was. So, like the crowd, they just eventually all get in their boats and leave. They can't find Jesus. Now, the next day, the crowd comes back to the same place, and Jesus is not there. No disciples, no note saying, hey, today the rallies moved to the other side of the lake. This is just a stupid move on Jesus' part. And don't you think that all that miracle meal people would have gone out and told, like, everybody that they know? Don't you think they were, like, going home and saying, like, um, you have got to come and see this guy? 
you know. So if it was 5,000 the first day, this, there could have been easily been 10,000 the next second day. But Jesus wasn't there. Then, I don't know if you can believe it, this crowd, they're so into this, they go looking for him. They want to believe in Jesus. They get in boats and they go looking for him. And they find Jesus. And Jesus doesn't say welcome to them or say, hey, thanks for coming back. Or, oh, great, let me pick up where I left off yesterday. No, he insults them. He says, you didn't come looking for me because you saw signs. You came looking for me because I gave you free food. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures, for eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. So they're a little taken aback. They say, okay, how do we work for that food? I mean, the crowd is, despite Jesus' stupid mistake, they're kind of coming along. Jesus tells them, this is the work of God, that you believe in the one whom he sent. Okay. Now you think we might be getting somewhere. Jesus is bringing it home, right? Bringing home the message. Jesus is using the bread metaphor as a way to talk about himself. And then he extends the metaphor. He starts talking about how their ancestors got bread from heaven to eat when they were in the desert. And they still died, but this new bread he's going to give them will bring them eternal life. So if they were really a smart crowd, they may have figured out that Jesus was saying, that Moses gave them the law, and the law did not save them, but he will give them God's new revelation, this promised messianic revelation that will eternally reconcile them to God. But it does seem like they kind of are getting it because they say, finally, sir, give us this bread. And here Jesus doesn't so much as do something stupid as maybe just makes a slight miscalculation. He has them now, right? He has them, and he says, I am the bread of life. Whoever believes in me will never hungry, hunger or go thirsty. For I have come down from heaven, and everyone, because the Father has given them to me, I will never turn them away, but I will raise them on the last day. See, now I know that part's the truth, but he puts it maybe kind of a little bit too, in too direct of a way. He pushes the people a little too far. You know, they weren't quite ready to hear that he was saying that he was actually the son of God. He should have maybe eased into it. Maybe a little more food. Maybe not. It doesn't need to be a whole meal, just like a snack. And then kind of move into that. The crowd starts to complain. They said, he said that he came down from heaven? Come on. This is Jesus, Joseph's son. How can he say, I've come down from heaven? See what I'm saying? He pushed them too far, too fast. But even here, still, he could pull, he could pull it out you know, try and explain it another way. But no, not this infuriating, miscalculating Jesus. He says, hey, stop complaining. No one comes to me unless they are drawn by the Father, and no one knows the Father except the one who comes from the Father, and I am the only one that comes from the Father. What are these people supposed to do with that? I mean, it's an incomprehensible argument. It's a circular argument that seems to contradict what he said about him not turning people away. No one can come to Jesus except through the Father, and no one can know the Father except Jesus. So basically, no one can come to Jesus. He's making it impossible for them. 
It's like he doesn't want people to know him, to believe in him. He had this whole crowd hunting around for him and wanting to believe in him, telling their friends, and he's just making it so hard. But even then he doesn't shut up. He makes it even worse. He, he kind of goes off the rails with this metaphor, you know, carries it too far. He says, I am the bread of life, and if you eat me, you will have eternal life. Like, we can hear this as some reference, I guess, to commun the communion bread, but they don't know about that here. He says, I am the bread, and you must eat me. I think that it's safe to say that Jesus is the only orator that tried to convince a crowd of his position by telling them to eat me. They say, how can this man give us our, his flesh to eat? Then, as if to completely drive them away, he answers that question by saying, Truly, unless you can eat my flesh and drink my blood, you will have no life in you. What is he talking about? Is he trying to be repulsive? Is he trying to just push them away? I mean, it is a violation of the law to have blood, the blood of any animal in their food. So drinking human blood is practically like satanic. I mean, he says, drink my blood and eat me. A friend of mine who studies traditional foods and, and tribal cultures told me that this notion that you kind of are what you eat is common across many Native American Eastern traditional peoples. Like, she says, like, they kind of think, like, if you eat a lot of chicken, you kind of have, like, a lot of chicken energy. You know, like, you uh, move around frantically in a scattered state. And, like, if you eat a lot of beef, you kind of have, like, heifer energy. You know, you move slowly, powerfully, deliberately, maybe. You are what you eat. And since Jesus brings up this whole thing here, I explored it just a little bit, and I, I see that this idea that you are what you eat is not so far from the uh, Jewish law that I think Jesus is running up against here. Leviticus 17 forbids the eating of blood or flesh-containing blood. The blood of a slaughtered animal must be spilled on the altar as a sacrifice to God. And um, Rambam, this 13th century French rabbi and physician, explains it this way. He said, animals have souls, and the life of a creature is in its blood. So if a human consumes the blood, the human then consumes the soul of the animal. And so the animal's soul then will become one with the human soul, and the soul will become, and to quote him, thick and coarse. And the human will begin to resemble the animal whose blood they consumed. Therefore, the blood must be offered to God. And when it's spilled on the altar, the soul of the animal will atone for the human's act of actually killing that animal. So you might become what you eat unless you offer your dinner's soul-containing blood to the Lord. Now, this prohibition on consuming blood also extends to fat, it turns out especially the fat around the liver, because the life soul of an animal exists also in the fat, and the liver is filled with blood. So really, the liver and the fat around the liver and the blood, that is the soul of an animal. Another traditional interpretation of that one, if you're not so up on 13th century French rabbis slash physicians, um, another tradition 
of interpretation says that Israel is forbidden from eating flesh and blood, and here flesh means the fat and the liver, because to do so would be to consume life, because that's where the life is contained of the animal. And since only God can give life, then only God can consume life. So the blood must be spilled on the altar and the flesh fat must be burned on the altar as an offering to God because flesh and blood is God's food. And to eat God's food is to strive to be like God, which the law says you should not do or you will be cut off. So what is Jesus up to? What is Jesus up to when he changes this metaphor from the bread of life to blood and flesh? He tells the Jews he's speaking to that they have been, the Jews that have been following him, that they must eat his flesh and drink his blood. And I believe he is um, referencing the prohibitions in Leviticus and Deuteronomy, forbidding the consuming of flesh and fat and liver and the blood of animals. It would be a radical transgression of the law for him to tell them to eat flesh and blood of an animal. So he is taking radical transgression to extremes by telling them to eat human flesh and blood, his own flesh and blood. He's telling them, furthermore, to eat the food of God, to eat God's food. And so to to ingest his very soul... Because like according to Rambam, the soul of that which you consume is contained in the blood. And if you consume that blood which contains that soul, then you will begin to resemble that which you eat. So if we eat the flesh and blood of Jesus, the food of God... Do we consume God's soul? Do we, does God's soul somehow attach to ours? And do we begin to resemble God? Is Jesus saying that he wants us to be God? I know that seems a little crazy. um, Because... That you would consume something and then you would become like that. Like all the things we consume would make us be like them. Like, I don't know what, hamburger or media. I don't think we would begin to resemble those things. But they don't really have a soul, do they? You know, there's this whole kind of prohibition about you should not... Pretend that you could be God. I think they got like kicked out of the garden for saying that they could be like God, right? Isn't, or did the snake tell them that they could be like God? He wasn't very trustworthy. I don't know. Maybe this is a different take on this thing. Maybe of all the things we consume, maybe consuming the soul of God might be a good idea. Might be something worth practicing. Let's try it.